Good morning. How are you? Good to have you with us. Today on The Morning Show, we are going to be talking about health and a healthy lifestyle. And uh, the subject uh, is inspired by a very interesting book, which I have been reading, called What Healthy People Know and the Seven Things They Do to Stay Healthy and Live Long. The author is uh, from our own uh, neck of the woods, so to speak, Dr. Bob Gleason, who uh, is a medical director for Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company and uh, very much uh, known as an expert in the whole field of life insurance uh, medicine. And uh, he is the author of this very interesting book. I'm speaking to him uh, uh, at his office in Milwaukee. Uh, the book is uh, published by Classic Day Publishing. Again, it's called What Healthy People Know and the Seven Things They Do to Stay Healthy and Live Long. Dr. Bob Gleason, we welcome you to well, The Morning you. Show. Thank you. Delighted to be here. Good to have you with us. Uh, one thing I think is is worth uh, us getting out of the way, and that is uh, exactly what you do as a medical director for a major life insurance company. Uh, what does that title mean? Well, what it means in terms of, of why I wrote this book is that during my day's business, I study the characteristics of people who live an average life expectancy or those who live shorter than average, and, you know, there's a group that lives longer than average. In fact, there's a group of people out there who live to age 85. And those people live in better health than anybody else. They have less disability, less disease. They're more active. And several years ago, I said, well, who are these people? Because I want to join them. And so I set out to understand what I needed to change and do to live to age 85 in great health. And that uh, that explains it on on a personal level. Of course, on a professional level as you as you talk about in the preface to the book, uh, that is part of of in a sense your your business is understanding longevity and how long a given person is is likely to live. I like how you put it at one point when you say your your doctor probably cares deeply about you and hopes that you will live a long and healthy life, but uh, your life insurance underwriter probably cares even more because there's all kinds of money uh, involved in the transaction, and it and it matters to them for that uh, reason just Absolutely. how long you will live. Correct. One of the things you uh, say that is is very striking and probably something most people don't uh, fully embrace yet is that we are more in control of our health then we, we are probably sometimes led to believe. I think because there is, you know, once in a while those cases where someone does everything right and, and yet capriciously falls victim to, to some sort of disease or, or disorder. But uh, as, aside from those kind of matters, we still need to embrace the fact that so much of, of our health has to do not just with the cards we're dealt, but with how we live. Absolutely correct. Um, one way to say it is that your health is probably more dependent on what you buy in the grocery store than on your genes. Which is astonishing to, to, to think about. In fact, I think you put a, a number, numerical figure at some point, of 70%. Uh, we're, in, we're in charge of 70% of our health or something like that? Am oh, I remembering that correctly? You're, you're, you've done a good job reading this book. Thank you. Um, you're absolutely correct. We are all given the genes... Uh, to live to age 85. And in the countries around the world that people 
maximize their life expectancy or in America, that's that's about a, a, an achievable target for the general population. We're going to see some people who get an early cancer or Parkinson's disease or, you know, have an unfortunate health thing happen to them. Uh, in, in the overall scheme of things, these are relatively uncommon. And most of the diseases today that we need to focus on are chronic diseases. They develop over decades, and they're largely the result for better or worse, of our health choices. Whether we exercise, whether we smoke, what kind of foods we choose to eat, whether we get preventive medical exams. And actually, with relatively few simple steps, it's possible to markedly reduce your risk of chronic degenerative disease, like heart disease. I mean, I'm I'm talking about um, a realistically... And without going out on a limb, and we're not talking tofu and bean sprouts and spandex, um, but with simple choices, we can reduce the risk of heart disease by at least 50%. We can reduce the risk of cancer and type 2 diabetes by at least 50%. You know, these are huge numbers of of uh, reductions in causes of premature death and disability. Hmm. Uh, before we get into some of your specific suggestions, we should touch on on something which you uh, explore uh, on just how poorly uh, many Americans are doing, especially compared to, to other people uh, around the world. Uh, when one studies life expectancy and, and longevity, uh, it, it's really amazing that uh, that that uh, the average citizen living in modern day uh, America uh, is doing so poorly. Isn't that fascinating? You know, we think of ourselves as having the best health care system. Uh, we have the most expensive health care system. But if you look at life expectancy as a simple marker, Americans, you know, to all your listeners, think about yourself. Where where do you think our life expectancy ranks? Are we in the top ten? Are we in the top 20? Are we ahead of Cuba? Well, the answer is that we're 47th in terms of life expectancy. I didn't make up those numbers. They came from the Central Intelligence Agency. And we're slightly ahead of Cuba, and we're somewhere behind Jordan in terms of our life expectancy. Immigrants to America, another example. Immigrants to America, almost regardless of what country they come from, live longer than three years longer than their American-born relatives because the new immigrants have not yet adopted our bad health habits of driving everywhere and no exercise and eating the wrong food. You mentioned, in fact, that, that, that there are a couple things that we, we learned from this study, and one of them being that there is more to be gained from low-tech preventative medicine than from our high-tech expensive health care. And we don't seem to grasp that or make that connection yet, or, or many of us don't anyway. You're absolutely right. And you go on to say modern medicine can make us well, but it cannot keep us healthy. Correct. That is our responsibility. Correct. When yeah, we... But I also say it's far better to prevent a heart attack than it is to treat it well. You know, the healthiest people never have the heart attack in the first place. That's, that's the real goal. Right. Um, I think as we, as we talk about what the problem is, we should make mention of, of, uh, of, of something which might come as a surprise to some readers, and that is that our health, you say, is largely the result 
of toxins. And we, we hear toxins talked about sometimes, but, but, but typically in, in, in ways that, that don't have much to do with our own everyday lives. When you are talking about toxins and how much they affect all of us, what are you talking about? Um, very astute uh, question. The, everybody worries about, gee, should I eat organic fruit or, or regular fruit from the grocery store? What, what, you know, they worry about chemicals hither or yon in the environment. In reality, it's the things like the saturated fat in all the French fries that we eat. It is, um, and that, you know, think of that as a toxin. It is the fact that we eat white flour, which has been highly processed and all the, the health has been processed out of it. Um, I, I don't know that that's really a toxin, but it's a chemical that we're eating that we don't even think about. And we do this all day long by making the wrong kind of food choices. And it's not, the, it's not how, whether there's a little bit of pesticide on the grapes. You're a whole lot better to eat the grapes in the grocery store. Our EPA and Food and Drug Administration, for all that we can criticize them, does a fabulous job of making certain that the foods in America are safe to eat straight off the shelf. We're one of the few places in the world where that's true. But you can eat anything anywhere, and people would be much better off to eat um, fresh fruit uh, than worry about whether there's a little pesticide on it. Interesting. So it's it's those kind of lurking dangers that are just off our radar screen that that you're hoping uh, we can be a little more aware of. Absolutely. Let's talk about a couple other things which are a, a real threat to people's health. Um, it's not surprising that at the top of your list of seven important principles is uh, to avoid smoking. But earlier in the book, you mentioned that being obese or inactive has the same impact on life expectancy as smoking. Isn't that an interesting way to think about it? Now, when I talk about obesity there, I'm talking about people with a body mass index somewhere above 33 or 34. At a body mass index of 34, your risk of dying in a given year begins to double. And that's about the same as smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. We also, and, and that's one of the fastest growing epidemics in America. It's just an astonishing problem. Um, you know, this, this, is, this whole obesity epidemic, we had a few people who were obese 25 years ago. Uh, but the obesity and the, we can talk about that in a minute, has just burst upon the scene um, only within the last 25 years. People who are sedentary or inactive also double their risk of disease. Um, and astonishingly, about 60%, some would say 70% of Americans, either are totally inactive or do so little exercise, it does not count. And now enough exercise is only walking, briskly, 30 minutes, four or more days a week. You know, this is not a lot, but this is the kind of simple step we can take to really reduce or improve our health. Hmm. Uh, tell me how you came up with your seven prescriptions for, for living healthier. Uh, I mean, did you, did you sit down and craft this list in any particular way? And I mean, I'm curious, for instance, why seven? I mean, you could have probably made this list and given us 30 things to think about or, or tried to cut it down to, to, the, to the top three. Uh, how did you arrive at this particular list? Why does it uh, satisfy your, your intentions? Um, 
Well, let's quickly run down the list. Right. I mean, they're, they're just in real simple. It's don't smoke. Exercise 30 minutes, four or more days a week, and that can be a brisk walk. Maintain a body mass index between 20 and 25. Eat a diet that's high in colorful fruits, vegetables, whole grains, fish, nuts, and monosaturated fats. Drink small to moderate amounts of alcohol. Manage your stress and see your doctor for preventive care and screenings. Now, the first five are actually come from the Centers for Disease Control, where they've modeled those as ideal health behaviors and then tried to check what percentage of the population does them. It turns out that only about 3 to 5% of Americans do those first four or five things. Pretty hmm. low number. Very. That's the group that's going to live to age 85 and have less disability and be much more active. Hmm. Stress is a huge issue in our society and getting worse as we're now tied to email and cell phones. And I felt that that was important to do. And the other thing is, you know, people need to, we know how to in medicine treat and prevent some disease. We know how to treat blood pressure, which causes heart disease. We know how to treat cholesterol, which causes heart disease. We know how to screen for cancers. And those were very important things that are, um, uh, everyone should be doing. So seven is a number that people can read and they can remember and they can do. You start out with 30 or 40 things to on a list, and there are books that do that. And it's it, overwhelming for the reader. Let's talk about a couple of these specifics and, and just try to understand them a little better. I mean, don't smoke is pretty clear. Exercise for 30 minutes is pretty clear. Um, the, uh, the matter Can of... Can I go back to exercise? I'm sorry? Can I go back to exercise? Sure. Um, in the book, I, one of the things I try to do is show lots of science, and I try to explain the science in readable and understandable language. I, I have a graph in there, for example, that shows from the Honolulu Heart Study... People who did not walk or walked less than a mile a day compared to a group of people that walked two or more miles a day, and then you, you count up their heart attacks over a 12-year period. The people who walked two or more miles a day, now that is a 30-minute walk. You know, go out your door, turn left, walk for 15 minutes, turn around, come home, and that's two miles. The people that walked two miles four or more days a week had 50% fewer heart attacks. Everything else was even. That's all you had to do to lower your risk of heart disease. Hmm. Pretty astonishing. And yeah. Pretty powerful. Yeah. And, and it, I, I think that the chapter where you focus on this is especially helpful. And then you talk about how did we become so inactive? And as we, as we study that and talk about that, that, that helps us understand the ways in which each of us individually has become so inactive. And that, that helps us understand where we need to really tackle this. Oh, you're, you're correct. So let's give a few examples. I mean, it's, we used to walk a golf course. Today you take a golf cart. We used to push a, 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 a lawnmower, and we were the propulsion. And today you, you have a sit-down lawnmower or a, or a self-propelled lawnmower. Each one of those steps from push the lawnmower to self-propelled to a sit-down lawnmower is a reduction in how much exercise we do. Hmm. And it's kind of an it's kind of an insidious thing, isn't it? Yes. And uh, taken uh, cumulatively, it makes a very big difference for the worse. Absolutely. 
Um, I want to uh, ask you something else about a, another item on the list. When uh, when you're talking about the the balanced and varied diet, which can make such a, a a difference, one thing you mention is the importance of eating colorful fruits and vegetables. Can you just explain to our listeners uh, what you mean by colorful and and why that's uh, an important distinction? Oh, absolutely! Great question. You know what's the most common vegetable in America? Don't tell me, Greg. I do not know. Potato. Ah. And how do we eat our potatoes? French fried. <laughs> or, average, or slathered in gravy. Yeah. The average American eats you know two vegetables a day, and it turns out that we're eating white potatoes and iceberg lettuce. Those are the two most nutritionally deficient vegetables on the list of of vegetables when ranked by nutrition. They're awful. And yet, the there's something we don't understand what it is. And you don't get it in a pill. You can't bottle it and put it in a pill. It's this combination of what's called phytochemicals or plant chemicals or flavonoids, and there are a bunch of names and a bunch of types. But in general, the chemicals that are healthy for us in blueberries, the blue, is different than the chemicals, the phytochemicals that are in a sweet potato or a carrot or a mango, that orange, bright orange, that's different than in an apple, that is different than in a, a uh, spinach or broccoli. And only by having a, if you only ate one vegetable and one fruit, yeah, you're doing great, but you're doing okay, but you're not getting the variety. And it's the variety that tends to be healthier for us because we're getting more of those parts that are healthy. And um, because it's easier to maintain that kind of a diet, the variety, it tastes great, and we enjoy it. They found out, and the people who are on this diet, which I lump in the category and sort of called Mediterranean diet, uh, which is heavy in fruits and vegetables, tend to be the group that can sustain weight loss. Their diet is interesting. Their diet is healthy. And they learn how to enjoy their food. And you, you know, start by kind of filling half of your plate with colorful fruits and vegetables hmm. rather than french fries. Uh, I have a feeling people might be a bit startled to, to note that, uh, that one of the seven items mentions alcohol and that actually drinking a, a modest amount of alcohol is something which can be uh, an enhancement to one's health. Interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's a very difficult issue, and you have to approach alcohol gingerly. Um, pun intended, there, by the way. Right. The the you know a third of America does not drink for religious reasons or social reasons. They don't drink, or have so little alcohol that it it doesn't even matter in terms right. of health. Correct. Correct. There's another group that cannot drink, for whom alcohol is a problem. Other than that. Um, and, and those people, by the way, who have an alcohol problem should be congratulated on understanding that and, and stopping the alcohol. Right. In fact, if I just may say, I think you say 10% of adults drink half of the alcohol which is poured in, in America, which is really scary to think about. Yep. Yes, astonishing. Um, and, you know, it's the classic story. A couple opens a bottle of wine and the wife has half a glass, and the husband has the rest of the bottle. Um, and that's how that works in a lot of homes. But 
having a glass of wine or a beer a couple days a week actually reduces the risk of heart disease and cancer by about 25%. Wow. And that's been shown in study after study. And do we know why? No, we do not. There are theories on the fact alcohol stops your blood from being so sticky. There are theories that alcohol contains some very strong, again, these flavonoids or plant chemicals, um, but we don't quite know why. It's hmm. interesting. Yes, very we, much we so. We don't know why people who eat a diet high in fish, like salmon, have a lower death rate. We can, we can hypothesize that it has to do with some of these chemicals and fatty acids and things. But in reality, we don't quite know why and what's happening in the package. And that's why you're correct. This diet has to be varied colors um, and a whole package because you don't get this in a pill. Hmm. The book is a fascinating one. And I want to ask you, uh, after all of the interesting information about these uh, seven uh, steps to better health and uh, all kinds of interesting stories and quizzes and so on along the way, you end the book with a fascinating uh, and, and also kind of amusing little epilogue. Uh, I want you to tell our listeners a little bit about that and, and, and why you ended the book the way you did. This epilogue was written by a gentleman named Henry Blackburn in 1954, I believe. And it was, Henry Blackburn was part of the Seven Country Study. This was the first group in the world to ask the question, what cultures and what societies have a low or a high death rate from heart disease? And this was the group that began to open the door to understanding the risk of cholesterol and blood pressure and activity in heart disease. And this isn't, Henry wrote a story about a man from Crete. Uh, what did he call him? The the perfectly long, the portrait of the man truly most free of coronary risk on earth. And, and um, you know, we have to under remember that our understanding of the causes of heart disease is really only 50 years old. It's only in the last 50 years that we're understanding how to prevent this epidemic of heart disease and by extension diabetes, type 2 diabetes and cancer. Hmm. The book again is called What Healthy People Know and the seven things they do to stay healthy and live long. Uh, the book is published by uh, Health Now and associated with Classic Day Publishing, and its author, Dr. Bob Gleason. Uh, Dr. Gleason, uh, I hope we have made a difference for the better in this uh, conversation, and I think uh, people will, will benefit so greatly from, uh, from uh, seeking out your book and, uh, and reading it carefully. And I appreciate you joining me today on The Morning Show to... Uh, Talk about it and your work. Best wishes to you. Thank you very much. Delighted to be here.